Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Today we're going to hear highlights from the 2022 MCU Gala, Dancing in the Streets. The first speaker is Reverend Dr. Wendy Bruner, president of the board of MCU and pastor at Peace United Church of Christ in Webster Groves. You turned my morning into dancing. That's where this gala began as we began to plan. Uh, that comes from Psalm 30. There's this understanding that there's a lot of bad things going on in the world right now, but there is always a reason to be joyful. Today, we're going to listen to uh, some MCU leaders give testimony. And the first one we're going to hear uh, is a testimony from Minister Bethany Johnson Javois. She is the CEO of Deaconess Foundation. Um, she is the minister, associate pastor of Monument of Faith, Church of God in Christ in Jennings. She is a friend and colleague of mine. And she is going to knock your socks off when you listen to her speak. And so uh, I welcome Bethany via video. Good evening, MCU family. Congratulations on what I know is already a successful and fun Dancing in the Streets Gala. Like many of you, I wear multiple hats in the region. And tonight I share my testimony with you as shepherdess of my local church, Monument of Faith and as president and CEO of the Deaconess Foundation. My name is Bethany Johnson Jacquois. My faith lies in the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. And carrying that good news these days is the greatest gift we can give to this work and to God's people. In my new role as president and CEO of Deaconess, I am learning that I am uniquely called upon and gifted to organize money, people, and power. I'm owning my power from God and walking in it. How refreshing is that? And I encourage you to do the same. So why is tonight and this work important to me? Because it is. This work is important because I fundamentally believe in the concept of participatory democracy a model of democracy in which citizens are provided power to make political decisions. It implies that people are in power. I love the sound and the visual in my mind of this commitment. Voting is a right among the elements of a participatory democracy that allows citizens to make their voices heard. But the reality is that as many as half of eligible voters in the US still don't participate in the election process. And we are not blind to efforts to systematically shut out more and more people, making us invisible through fabricated ineligibility by any means or reasons necessary. And we know that the U.S. lags far behind most other like countries when it comes to voter turnout. According to Global Citizen, there's a voting barrier that I've witnessed play out within my community as reflected in Jennings Fourth Ward and among young adults. Quote, citizens are less likely to vote if they don't think their vote matters. In partnership with MCU, we have a goal of increasing voter participation in Jennings by 10% in the midterm elections. In a mayor's election where 4,000 voted but 2,500 didn't. We're very clear what we're up against. It will take relationship, fundraising, 
and people with clear vision to get the job done starting tonight. In a country that has built its economic success violating its moral consciousness, justifying enslavement and systematic suppression of African and poor people for profit and gain, then through tools of slavery and Jim Crow laws, now through banking and housing practices, mass incarceration and human trafficking, the erosion of America's spiritual and moral foundation has reached the point of what is described in 1 Timothy 4 and 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You see, when a country continues to send you direct and subliminal messages that you shouldn't exist, this notion of your own invisibility can become your reality. When a country loses its value of human dignity, its citizenry reflects it. Recognition of self, recognition at all, is predicated on visibility. To see oneself in the world has the power to transform existence into vibrancy. And this is my why. This is my charge and the charge I bring to each of you tonight. Collectively, we have the power to transform from existence into vibrancy. A vibrant democracy brags about its diversity and an inclusivity and spectrum of thought, belief, tradition, all centered in shared values. Transforming from existing to vibrancy is precisely what Psalm 130 speaks of. Turning our mourning to dancing, removing our sackcloth to be clothed with joy. Dance joyfully and follow me in giving joyfully before the Lord tonight. Our democracy depends on us. God bless you all. We thank Reverend Bethany in her absence for submitting the video. So now I have the honor and, ple and pleasure to, uh, to bring up someone who is the embodiment of moving from existence to vibrancy. Uh, I love everything about uh, our next leader that's coming up and who's also a board member. So please give a warm up for Barbara. Hello everyone. My name is Barbara Johnson and I am a member of Our Lady of the Holy Cross uh, Catholic Church in Baden where Father Vincent Nyman is my pastor. I am a current MCU board member and I have been active in MCU for 20 plus years. How about that? I am on the Education Task Force, the Juvenile Justice Task Force, Environmental Task Force, and my mantra is, I get in where I fit in. <laughs> if any of you have ever had contact with an MCU organizer or an MCU activist, then you've had a one-on-one -on -one conversation in which you may have been asked, what's your self-interest? What is your passion? I have been asked that many times, and I have never given a one-dimensional answer because as an African-American, the racist laws in America has affected me and my family in many negative ways. Let's remember, segregation was the law of the United States enforced by any and all law enforcement agencies and the courts. Those were not one-dimensional. They engulfed us African-Americans like a kaleidoscope. 
Even though it's not the law today in this country, 80% of large metropolitan area in the U.S. were more segregated in 2019 than in 1990. Myself and my family has been personally affected by these voter oppressions, polluted air, school to prison pipeline, food desert, health inequities, which COVID has shown that, non-truth in my educational process, things that I did not learn about my own culture until after I got out of school and pursued that myself, symbols of public confederacy in my neighborhood, there's people that fly huge Confederate flags. Housing redlining, when my husband and I were looking for a home, we were steered in one direction. Homeowner redlining for insurance, we've experienced that. Automobile redlining, we've experienced that. Also, ethnic bias and home valuation, we've experienced that. I could go on, doesn't end there. But I'm glad to be in this room tonight because we are all connected to MCU and there's power in that. Yes, yes. We need to collectively build ourselves in every capacity or more of our rights are going to be legislatively taken from us or modified against us. What's happening to America? What's continuing to happen to America when an 18-year-old white supremacist can legally buy weapons, go to Buffalo, New York, and murder 10 African Americans? But it's not illegal. It, he cannot buy alcohol until he's 21. Mm -hmm. The same person. So here's where we are. If we don't do something, something will do us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to support MCU, and I hope you do as well. Thank you. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to make sure we give a huge shout out to uh, Laguna Local 110 Union. So thank you all. Rick, make some noise for them as well as SEIU Healthcare, make some noise for them as well, where SEIU at. And every single one of you all, for, for, this could not have been done with the support of every single one of you all in here tonight, so please give yourself a round of applause as well. We've got to give a shout out to Moore Square, coming all the way from Kansas City. Thank you all. And anyone else that came further than four hours, I appreciate that as well. Um, so, now is the time where we're gonna just briefly share, like, you know, you all saw what happened in 2021. I'm about to share a little bit about what's about to happen in 2020, or what's continue to happen in 2022 as we prepare for 2023 and 2024. So we started out our journey. You all saw some aspects about Jennings. Uh, that, that journey started when uh, Reverend Burton of New Northside Missionary Baptist Church in, that's located in 27th Ward uh, said that he shared that he wanted to make sure that his congregation or his church was energy efficient. And because you all see that it saves money, anybody trying to save some money right now? Okay, y'all must got really a lot of money then because nobody's like, we ain't trying to save no money, that's perfect, give it to us then, that's fine. 
But seriously, so we, we started having conversations and meetings with Reverend Burton in New Northside in 27th Ward. We started recognizing how close and literally one of the properties of New Northside is actually in Jennings. Uh, so when we started having conversations and discussions, we started canvassing the neighborhoods. We started canvassing neighborhoods and then we also started connecting with Reverend Bethany and Monument of Faith. And when we went, we actually had a, a, a canvas on Juneteenth. And when we had the canvas, people started sharing with us like, yeah, we care about some things y'all asking us about. We didn't care about this illegal dumping. We didn't care about having to see trash and see uh, a, a vacant buildings and, and wild bushes and trees and stuff uh, in our neighborhoods. And, and our kids don't like it either. And sometimes, some, well, some, unfortunately, some horrible things happen sometimes. So we really want to focus on that. So we started having those conversations. And then we also recognized that when, as Reverend Bethany shared, people who, the same people who had concerns also wasn't really lifting their voice up. So we want to make sure that they, are, are, they started raising their voices and we actually had a meeting with elected officials in Jennings. Uh, some of the elected officials are really, really valued and appreciated that. Other ones didn't, and that's okay, they'll be all right. Uh, so we also understand that all these things are connected. And, and as someone who lives across the street from Jennings pretty much in the 63136 zip code, the 63136 zip code is the same area where also has the highest number of referrals for youth to detention centers in St. Louis. The 63136 has the highest number of food deserts. The 63136 also has the highest number of uh, emergency calls for, uh, for, for, uh, for ambulances to, re to, to come to provide care for uh, those who are overdosing on either heroin or, or fentanyl or whatever is out here in the streets these days. So we recognized that, that we were gonna make sure that we anchored down and, and throw down as we all, and this is one reason why we're saying we dance in the streets. We are mourning. Let it be clear. We're not happy about what's going on. When our values are violated, we build power. Matter of fact, I need to, I need to get a, a room check real quick, real quick, real quick. When I say build, you say power. Build? Power! Okay, just checking. All right. Now, one of the great things about working in Jennings and working with people is that we get to like, connect with other congregations and I found it interesting that as a, like in Jennings, I don't know if y'all know Jennings, for those who don't know, it's like it's pretty much black, like it's black, right? I'm, I'm black, I'm, it's Jennings. But it was like a lot of white people that came out to support it too. I'm like, why y'all here? Like, I was like, Reverend Wendy, what you doing out here? So Reverend Wendy is gonna actually share why she actually came out to Jennings too. I did, I did come out to Jennings and uh, a number of people from Webster Groves came out to Jennings on that day. And um, people will wonder why would a pastor who serves a congregation in Webster Groves go to Jennings? Well, let me tell you why I went to Jennings. Uh, number one, um, I'm friends with ben Bethany johnson Javois. We have built right. a relationship. We are building a deeper relationship. We are building, as Barbara Johnson said, connections with each other. And when Bethany johnson Javois says, Wendy, can you come to Jennings? Why, I show up to Jennings because she's asked me to be there. Relationships are so important, right? We are all connected. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, the work that we can do in Webster Groves is also connected, right? We may not think there's any kind of connection between an almost all white uh, city in the suburbs of St. Louis Metro, 
But there are, there are so many things that we can do. And I'm just gonna tell you a little tiny bit about what some of the things are that the congregations on the Lockwood Corridor in Webster Groves are doing. You know, we recognize that white supremacy and racism is another pandemic that is crossing this country yeah, yeah. rapidly, right? It is, and what we can do is we can look at our community and see how we can support truth-telling in our school system and in our city. Right. So here's some of the things that we did. We realized that there was a school board election and what happens at school boards, why they influence curriculum in uh, the school district. and. Uh, People participated in asking, creating and asking questions for school board members or who, people who were running for the school board to see what they thought about uh, what I would call accurate accounting of history or facts as opposed to CRT, right? We cannot, as a congregation, support one candidate over another, but we can support issues one over another. So we wanted to make sure that we knew what folks were thinking. The other thing we realized, that there was this election in the city hall going on, and that there were issues that were really of concern to us too, right? About housing that might be attainable for a teacher who was coming out of college with her first job and was going to be teaching in Webster Groves uh, and would find out that there was no housing that she could afford in Webster Groves. So it's really, really important for us to be doing that work in Webster Groves. It is connected with what's going on in Jennings. Let us not at all forget that. And then I just want to say one personal thing. I actually live in 63107, which is just a few blocks down the road here, and uh, I breathe every day air, toxic air that is being pumped out from factories across the river on the east side. And last year you saw, we gathered together with UCM, our sister, Cong our sister organizing group across the river to shed some light on that. But here's another thing. Uh, oh, right, we are this year doing air monitors, right? That's a wonderful thing that the EJ group is doing all across the, this metro area to monitor. We're taking control of making sure we get data so that we have power there too, right? It's in collecting information. But I'll just tell you something. If you don't think that you should be concerned about the air that I'm breathing in North City, St. Louis, the wind is blowing your way. That's all I'm saying. It's going to catch up to you. And so we are all connected. We are connected through relationships, but we're connected through the work that we can do, the issues that we can um, lift up, and the organizing of people and money that we can do. And um, one of the things that I just uh, want to say is it's even more than just a neighborhood that's organizing or a city that's organizing or the county that's organizing, we can organize the state. And I'm going to invite DeMarco to talk about what MCU has done across the state. All right. Thank you. Can I tell them the secret now? Can I tell yeah. them the secret? Okay. All right. So I really do love and appreciate Reverend Wendy Bruner, um, Barbara Johnson, all the leaders, all the board members, all the organizers and staff, all those who are supportive of MCU. Uh, and, and right now, we are still have 
very few people doing a lot of amazing, incredible things. Like it's incredible. And we can't wait to continue doing building, building power with uh, Laguna, with SEIU and so many others uh, as well. One of the things that we also recognized and realized, and guess what? Um, yesterday, the governor signed the district maps. Signed the district maps, right? Some of them look like a little jigsaw puzzle. So, you know, some, some of them was okay, some of them, all right? Uh, so there's a lot of great opportunities like in Jeff, Jeff Co Jefferson County and, and other places, but we just found out that all of Webster Groves is now in the first district as well. Uh, so Webster Groves is with St. Louis City now. Webster Groves is now with North County, St. Louis as well. But that means we actually will be able to, to make sure and hold elected officials accountable together uh, as well. So as we continue to build relationships, we are going to continue building statewide power. Let me hear y'all say statewide power real quick. Statewide power. That's one reason why Kansas City drove all the way here. And, and that's right, like that's why they came, right? Statewide power. That's why we got passes from, Reverend, from, uh, from Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson County uh, out here as well, right? So, because we taking that over too. Two states, yes, I, my, my bad. Mark is from Kansas. So we got regional, right? And East St. Louis, East Boogie somewhere in here too. Yeah, three states, right? So there's a whole, a whole, the whole 70, I-70. Yep, we're making that happen. Uh, one of the biggest victories almost came out of nowhere, but we know where it came from. But we give a huge amount of credit to uh, Barbara Johnson, Terry Kinese, uh, uh, J-Mo, uh, and, and several other leaders who constantly went down to uh, Jefferson City, who constantly partner with other people, who constantly partner with other organizations, who constantly work with, 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 with Beth and Sister Dolores and other environmental justice organizers with Sierra Club and so many others. What they did was they, they, so they, they, they made sure and, and put pressure on the legislators to bring $27 million to put, make sure there are filters on the water fountains in every school in Missouri. Every single school in Missouri. If y'all don't know the importance, if y'all don't know how lead impacts people and how lead shows up in black communities, how lead shows up in brown, uh, black and brown communities or, 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 or low income communities and how it shows up long term and how it shows up in those who are incarcerated right now, we are literally changing and saving lives throughout the entire state of Missouri. We're gonna figure it out in Kansas and, and Illinois as well. But this is the work that, that leaders and, and, and organizers and congregations and clergy are already doing, and it's only a small amount of them. So I get excited when I see all of us in here tonight to think about how much, not just much money, but how much power we can really build to make sure that the next generation or the current generation is being prepared for jobs that may exist or may not even exist yet. Uh, making sure that our seniors and our elders are being taken care of. Make sure that our congregations actually can keep their doors open and with the lights on as well and still provide uh, opportunities during the summer, whether it's through Freedom School with Deaconess or somebody else. So this is the type of power we are working to build and we will continue to build in 2022 as we, we know the storm is coming. I don't know if y'all been paying attention to, I hope you, oh, the, the, the commercials and the ads are already crazy. Uh, we got Republicans mad at Republicans, we got Democrats mad at Democrats. We don't know what's, they just, everybody mad at each other. I don't know what it is. But why they distracted? We go dance. 
We're going to dance in the streets together to build power. The next thing on our agenda is, of course, to have Sarah and Fran come up and talk to you about the money. We've organized the people. DeMarco and I have organized the people. And now Sarah, is gonna organize, Sarah and Fran are going to organize the money. You know, I took a moment when I was going to the table and I just looked at the room. And I got a little emotional because we are in the house regardless of what was going on outside. So I want to thank you all and I want to welcome you all. My name is Fran Collier. I have been with MCU for about four years now. I was introduced through Break the Pipeline, working with the children, getting them to have justice and for the schools and for the public safety officers and for the courts to give them some credibility and be accountable for uh, them being in school. Um, uh, the reason why I'm here, <laughs> because I believe in the democracy that we've heard. We've seen democracy, we've heard democracy. You guys are building power, you're building relationships, and I believe in being, being a, 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 in my community, just having my community be aware of the importance of being, getting out and, and being a voter, being, being a, registered voter, and not only just registering to vote, but getting out and voting and making a stand. Um, <laughs> public policy is important. Having integrity is important in what you do and what you stand for. I'm, I, when I first started with the Break the Pipeline, we were out canvassing, we were out petitioning, we were out marching, and even the children. I remember when we went down, downtown in front of the police department and we had to mark on the streets what we wanted to happen as far as the public, public, um, the public um, officers in the school. And the little children, they had the, little, the, uh, the color uh, chalk and they marked in the streets what they wanted. So when the police officers came out, they could see what the voices that were being heard there. All right, so now I'd like to introduce Sarah, and she's going to tell you more about building power, getting involved, and making a difference. Uh, my name is Sarah Rose. I've been involved with MCU for about four years. I am the treasurer of the board, and so y'all know I am here to fundraise. All right. uh, so in 2012, I cast the first vote I had ever cast. I had just turned old enough, and it was Obama's re-election campaign. I was so excited, and my mom made it so clear to me that I had to vote. There was nothing else. So I got all excited, I got all my stuff together, my ID, et cetera, and I went to the local polling place. And I parked the car and I saw the line immediately. Because y'all know, I grew up in a mostly black neighborhood. And so there was one polling place for a ton of people. And so I waited in that line for three and a half hours. I waited in line while people left to go feed their kids, to go pick up their kids, to go take care of things at home, to go back to work. 
that line got shorter just as much because people couldn't stay in it long enough as because people got to vote. And that's not fair. So I moved to Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Known for free voting. So I moved to Missouri, and then there was a pandemic. And I said, what can I do, right? I'm one person, what can I do? I became an election judge in 2020. I became a notary public. I'm great at parties. I became a notary public because in Missouri, absentee ballots require a notary to be able to cast them. However, where I grew up, I still got a ballot in the mail just in case I wanted to vote because that was black leadership supporting black folks to be able to vote. We don't have that here yet. We're working on it, but we don't have that. So I don't need to tell y'all how hard it is to vote in Missouri, how, how much work it takes ahead of time, how much work it takes during the moment, and how easy it is to just give up, right? We heard earlier about the number of people that don't vote, and I get it, right? I had three hours because I took that day off of school because school let me take that day off. Not everybody has that and not everybody can wait for three and a half hours. On the other hand, my mom, I knew that if I didn't vote, my mom would get after me. It was because of my community that I was committed to voting. It was because of my community that I knew how to vote and what to vote on. And this room is that community for so many people. And so when we're talking about voting in August and then in November and then in 23, 4, 5, 6, et cetera, it is people's communities that are going to fight against all the stuff, all the nonsense. In Yiddish, we say all the mishigas that they have put in front of us to keep us from voting. So what are we going to do? MCU is part of a group of folks that's doing what's called the Relational Voter Program. This mostly means the same way that y'all showed up tonight. Someone texted you, someone emailed you, someone called you, someone saw you down the street and said, hey, someone saw you at church and said, hey, what's up? We, that is incredible and that is powerful. And with tools and with strategies and with information, it can be so much more powerful. The goal tonight is to raise $15,000 to help us pay for those tools and those strategies and those programs so that this community the people you see in the room tonight, the people who couldn't make it here because of the tornado, the people who couldn't make it here because they're not going out in public yet, so that all of us can work together to make sure that our community shows up no matter what they put in front of us. No matter what Michigas comes out, the governor signs or doesn't sign, whatever. Doesn't matter, we'll figure it out on our end and fight for a place where we don't have to fight this hard, where we can just show up. I think y'all need one more moment of, of what it looks like to build power, right? Because writing checks, standing up on this stage, asking y'all for money, all that stuff is, is not comfortable. It's outside my comfort zone. This isn't how I spend my average Thursday. Um, so, you know, getting outside your comfort zone, it takes a little bit of work. I'm gonna bring Fran back on so that she can talk about one time she got out of her comfort zone and how powerful it was for her to do that. I don't know if you, ha I, I key in on words, and we've heard uh, being connected, we've heard being empowered, we've heard being vibrant, and all that's in this room. And part of the organization and, or, uh, and organizing relationships in, during the uh, Medicaid expansion, we were out canvassing, we were out getting petition signs and so forth, and there was a time 
prior to that where I felt intimidated when someone came up to me wanting me to sign a petition that I didn't know anything about. I had to put my name down and my phone number and my address, and I was intimidated by that. As I got into MCU and as I got out canvassing, I found it, it became easy because I was out there doing something that some people would say, I appreciate what you're doing. Because they weren't doing it or they couldn't do it or whatever the case may be. But that empowered me and that came through the organizations and the relationships and the trainings and the tools that Sarah mentioned. I don't feel intimidated anymore. Yeah. Um, even if, you know, you walk up to someone and they don't want to sign or wh whatever the case may be, uh, after you explain everything to them, there's another person that you can go to right. to get another signature and another signature and another signature. So through the organization and the building of relationship, uh, power, it, it, organizing is power. Organizing is money, and it takes money to organize. Just, and, it, and it takes a powerful, vibrant, beautiful room of people dressed real nice Woo! to help us make this $15,000. <laughs> so if any of you are sitting on a comfort zone, I want you to dig deep. You've heard a lot of stories. You've heard a lot of testimonies. And I'm sure each one of you have a story or have a testimony of something that you would like to happen, something that frustrates you, something that sticks in your crawl, that you want your government, your community, your neighborhood, your state to recognize and handle in, in, the, in the honorable way. You know, I thought about the scripture. Think of those things that are just and honest and pure and of a good report and you can't go wrong. This is for a worthy cause, an honorable cause, so that MCU can continue the work, not only in St. Louis, but Kansas City, across the river, and so that our voices, our voices can be heard. I'm Reverend David Gerth, I'm the Executive Director of MCU. I need Jay and Dietra and Susan to come up. There's a door over on the side, I want you to come up here on the stage. We've got three women coming up who don't just exist, they live vibrant lives, they do not let us just exist, they make sure that we live vibrant lives. They are three very powerful women who are all builders, who are all challenging, who are all faithful. I've seen every one of them knocked down, ready to give it up, and they come back. And if you're going to go into battle, don't go with people who know how to do it easy. Go with people who know how to do it when it's hard. Jay is relentless. And part of the reason that she even came to organize with us is because of the job she had before. They wouldn't let her do what she knew she could do. I don't, she's moving on, but she's not leaving us. I don't know how she, she's, she's already said now she's working for the federal government. Look out, federal government. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Dietrich Weiss Baker was building a juvenile justice coalition campaign before Ferguson. 
She didn't, she didn't need Ferguson to tell us that something's wrong in St. Louis. And so when we got organized and listened to congregations and listened to the Ferguson Commission, she was right at the center with us, some other organizers and some leaders building the Break the Pipeline from the ground up. And it's our most vibrant long-term campaign ever since. Susan Sneed is a founding mother of MCU 30 years ago. She was a leader who transformed her own personal life so that it was a powerful public life and eventually she became, she's an ordained deacon in the United Methodist Church. It's not disconnected from being an organizer and she became an organizer, a professional organizer, right about 11 years ago. So Deidre and Susan and Jay are not leaving us. They are moving on into different roles. They are leaving the formal roles that they have been in, but they're not leaving their relationship with us. This is not goodbye. Every one of them has stood toe-to-toe -to -toe to with me sometime or another and made me squirm almost out of my skin because they were invested in me that much. And I know that's true of their relationships with you too. We are terrible at beginnings and endings but because we knew you were all here tonight, we knew we couldn't let them just sneak out the back door. We needed to thank them and celebrate them and know that they are under your skin, even if they're not getting paid to get under your skin. So let's celebrate them one more time. If you are ready to support the work of justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or office at mcustl.com. And you can learn more and contribute to Metropolitan Congregations United at our website, mcustlewis.org. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. You've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like.